Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Hello, Cosmos Country. On this week's episode of First Team Podcast, I will review two Cosmos matches from this past weekend. The first one on June 15th, 7 p.m. at Boston City FC. The New York Cosmos beat them by the score of 3-1. to And on June 16th, another three points for the boys in green. The Cosmos beat Rhode Island Reds FC by a score of 2 to nil. I will look ahead to... Um, the next match this upcoming weekend, June 23rd, at home against Greater Lowell Rough Diamonds at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I have a Q&A, or ESPN FC has a Q&A, that I will share later on in this week's episode. And we have some scheduling changes um, on the NPSL schedule. And U.S. Soccer Federation employment reviews... Um, via Chris Kessel on Twitter and Glassador. Um, so there, we have a packed show on First Team Podcast, a lot to cover, and we have some questions to answer. And if you have any feedback or if you want to share your thoughts on what will be discussed in this week's episode, feel free to email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. The New York Cosmos beat Boston City FC by a score of 3-1. to one. And Rhode Island Reds the following day, Father's Day, June 16th, 5 p.m. at Rhode Island Reds FC. And they beat them by a score of 2 to nil. So I predicted 6 points, a sweep of the weekend. And I have talked in the past, MPSL, it's crazy to play back-to-back games, especially back-to-back away games. That's really insane. But for the Cosmos to come and travel to both... Um, destinations and get the six points and um, have a great record in the MPSL and the MPSL classic season is about to end. There is about four matches left. Um, We have four matches at home at Mitchell Athletic Complex. So there's a lot of time to bring your friends and uh, to bring other soccer fans to Long Island to Mitchell Athletic Complex on Sunday June 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, the New York Cosmos will host Greater Lowell Rough Diamonds. I'm going to go with a New York Cosmos victory, of course, by the score of um, 4 to nil. I think the Cosmos are going to continue their winning streak. I think they're going to dominate this match. They're at home, better players, uh, more experienced players. Um, and I think the Cosmos will win this match and get the three points. I'm looking forward to this homestand. And the Cosmos will for sure make the playoffs in the MPSL. Um, with um, their record so far in the MPSL Classic season. Um, so I'm hoping that this season they can, rather than last season when they got knocked out by the FC Motown. 
And I think that's the most important thing to remember about the MPSL is that you can dominate the regular season. You can dominate the classic season. But when it comes to the playoffs, maybe fans in the past, in last season, we probably underestimated FC Motown. We probably underestimated um, teams in, in the playoffs in the U.S. Open Cup. On paper, you can say we're the better team. But on the field, you don't know how the ball is going to bounce. Is it going to go in the Cosmos net or is the Cosmos going to score five goals? We do not know. And I think that's the brilliance of soccer is because in other sports, it's very predictable. It's that, oh, in baseball, that team is going to win because they spend the most money. Um, or they have younger players. They have their minor leaguers in um, Major League Baseball, in their um, Major League team, in baseball or basketball or whatever. But in soccer, I think it's completely different uh, because it is about talent, but it's also about how fit someone is and what they can do that might be unpredictable, right? Because there's a lot of players out there that maybe you've never heard of, especially in the MPSL. And I think that's the unique thing about the league and about the playoffs. Um, but I do hope that the New York Cosmos, I hope that they do take it seriously. And I know that they do. So I'm going to go with the New York Cosmos victory against Greater Lowell Rough Diamonds at Mitchell Athletic Complex. So like I said earlier, bring your friends, bring your family, bring soccer fans, maybe that are watching the Women's World Cup and they're just getting into the game or they're just getting excited um, about the sport, about the beautiful game and say, hey, Come out to a local soccer game. I know it's not women playing, it's men. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter what gender it is. It's soccer. Come support your local soccer team. I think the Cosmos should do something around the Women's World Cup. um, Because I don't think there's a lot of Major League Soccer clubs that maybe care. I think the Cosmos should play towards it. And I know a lot of people might say, "Well, well, no, because... Maybe they won't like the Cosmos or they won't like local soccer or it's not women's soccer. But I don't think it matters because even when the men's game is on, when the men's World Cup is on, you have a lot of fans that just show up and just support the the men's national team, the U.S. men's national team. And then they go to sleep for the next four years. They go watch another sport, watch another show, and then they come back. But the Women's World Cup, the women's game across the world, it feels like a modern game. It feels like modern fans. Um, It feels like younger fans. And I really think that's what the Cosmos need, is they need a younger fan, a more exciting fan, um, or a fan that is excited about what's going on and wants to be a part of something that's much bigger than them. Because I think the men's game, it's already developed. And I'm not knocking the women, right? The U.S. women's national team, they're very successful and they're great players. I think the women's game across the world has this uniqueness about it, like the NPSL, is that it's underrated. People don't know that much about it. They don't know too much about the players or about the individual countries and things like that. And I think the Cosmos, especially being in New York City, being in a cosmopolitan area, they could play on... Um, the success of the Women's World Cup. Not just off of the U.S. women's national team and their success in individual games and in the tournament, but as a tournament, make a big deal about it and say, well, 
this player is from this country or this player is from that country or have watch parties or go to local pubs in Long Island and New York City and say, hey, we're the New York Cosmos. Come and support us. Right? Play off of national and international attention of a soccer tournament and bring more people to the games. I remember um, a couple of years ago, or maybe more than a couple of years ago, I forgot what year it was exactly, but it was the Men's World Cup. And I believe it was Italy, England. I could be wrong. And the Cosmos at Hofstra University, they had some sort of watch party where they would put this massive screen at the beer garden. So at Hofstra University, they couldn't sell beers and you couldn't drink beer in your seat. So you had to go to this beer garden. And for this uh, FIFA Men's World Cup match, I believe it was Italy versus England, they allowed fans, I believe, to go in earlier. To watch this match, I guess drink a lot of beer, and then, and drink responsibly, of course, drink some beer, and then watch the New York Cosmos match in person, um, eventually, a couple of hours later. And the Cosmos today can do something like that. They could say, hey, we're playing on this day. We have four, right? We have four home matches from June 23rd, so from this Sunday night to July 6th. How much does it cost or what does it take to put up a screen? Right? Put up a portable screen for the day and say fans come 2 hours earlier if you sit in a certain section. Come 2 3 hours earlier, buy more food, buy more drink, come watch the women's world cup, come watch the US win and come watch the New York Cosmos beat the Rough Diamonds on June 23rd. Or the Rhode Island Reds on June 30th. Or the Brooklyn Italians on June 3rd. Or Kingston Stockade in our final game on July 6th. Whatever game the Cosmos can pick. Pick that day. Whatever day that works the best. And get more people in the stadium. You could sell it as a double header. You could say it's the best time out. Double header. Come watch two matches. And it's just this family atmosphere where people are all there for the same reason they're not just there to watch the cosmos they're not just there um, because they're local but they're there because they like the game and they want they want to be next to people that love soccer right Um, that's why you go to soccer games is because you want to take in the action and you want to be in this atmosphere and you want to experience everything at the stadium, I know a lot of people might knock that down and say, why would I want to go to a stadium and watch a game on TV? But I think it's really cool. And I think for the Cosmos, I think they would get a lot more people out to the game if they would do something like that. The New York Cosmos have announced earlier kickoff time for Sunday's contest against the Rough Diamonds. So the New York Cosmos, they of course begin a four-game homestand to close out the MPSL regular season on Sunday, June 23rd, against the Rough Diamonds at Mitchell Athletic Complex. The game was originally scheduled to kick off at 8 p.m., but it will now get underway at 7 p.m. So just a note for fans making out to the match. It was supposed to get underway at 8 p.m., but it will now get underway at 7 p.m. The Cosmos will also play the Rhode Island Reds on June 30th at 5 p.m. and the Brooklyn Italians on July 3rd at 8 p.m. and Kingston Stockade FC on July 6th at 7 p.m. in the remaining games before starting the playoffs. 
So get your tickets. Like I said, get your tickets because you want to enjoy the action in Cosmos Country at Mitchell Athletic Complex. There's nothing better than um, supporting the New York Cosmos in the final home matches and then hopefully hosting some more playoff matches at Mitchell Athletic Complex. So get on some ticket package or season tickets or whatever you want to get. Enjoy Cosmos action in um, Long Island at Mitchell Complex. So ESPN FC, they had a Q&A with Rocco Camiso. And guess who wrote this article? It was Gabrielle Marcotti. I remember, don't quote me on this, but I remember there was this video and he was talking, I think it was about the NASL and about how they were going to shut down and things like that. And um, I think he actually said that in the modern NASL, they still had the old penalty kick where uh, I guess the kicker, the guy who was going to kick the ball in the net basically, um, or who was going to take the penalty shot. He had 30 seconds or something like that. He had a time clock to run towards the goal. And Gabriel Marcotti said a couple of years ago, when the NASL was about to go out of business, he said that the NASL or the modern-day NASL still had that type of penalty shot. This is the guy that is interviewing that asked questions to Rocco B. Camiso. So, um, again, this is according to ESPN.com, titled... Rocco Camiso Q&A, Fiorentina's new owner, on why he's investing in Serie A and his fight with U.S. soccer. So the first question to Rocco Camiso was, so after Jim Pelota, who was the owner of Roma, the owners of Inter, Joey Saputo at Bologna, and the Singer family at Milan, Serie A has another overseas owner. Only the Premier League, where more than two-thirds of the clubs have foreign investors has more outside investment. Is that because they're seeing a growth opportunity? Rocco Camiso said, First of all, I hope you distinguish me from everybody else. I'm Italian. I was born in Italy. I think it's the first time in the history of Italian soccer that an immigrant has returned to invest his money, but it's true. Whether it's the stadiums or their viewership, we're more than one step behind the Premier League, and that's a standard we should shoot for from a business standpoint. But the potential is there, and if we get the right people, we have the opportunity to reach that level. That's why I believe strongly the Italian game is on its way back. I think that's very interesting that Rocco wants to be different from the rest of the group, right? You have Jim Pelota at Roma. You have Joey Saputo at Bologna, and I think he owns Montreal Impact. And you have all these foreign investors but Rocco at heart is Italian. He was born in Italy, right? So I think people see him as an outsider. They see him as, oh, he's American. He owns the cosmos. I get where he's coming from is that he doesn't want to be seen as an outsider. He is Italian. He's Italian first, American second, right? Because he was born in Italy. He was raised to a certain point in Italy. And then he moved at a young age in America. The next question to Rocco Camisa was FIFA president Johnny Infantino said last week that while there is money all over the world, especially in Asia and North America, investors are flocking to Europe. He said he hopes that gets rebalanced over time so the game can grow everywhere. In fairness, you did try to invest in North America first. Rocco said, yeah, three years ago, I bought the Cosmos and I hoped it could help change American soccer. Instead, I got screwed over. I played my first game on April 1st. And on September 1st, 
the U.S. Soccer Federation relegated the whole league. They didn't give me any time to get to work, and that's why I followed up with lawsuits. I also offered to raise half a billion dollars, half of it my own money, to help develop the game in the United States, and all I asked was the same opportunity to grow the league that Major League Soccer got, and I got nothing. I feel strongly that promotion and relegation has to be implemented there. The payrolls, the TV rights in the U.S., both are peanuts. And remember, soccer has been around in the U.S. for more than 100 years. It's clearly not working. And Rocco's right. You have American owners, and I don't think they get the credit that they deserve because you have American owners at all levels, right? Lower division soccer, you have amateur owners, you have semi-pro owners, you have professional club owners that are investing money into this club. Some clubs, millions of dollars. And if you're not in Major League Soccer, you're not making that TV revenue. You're not maybe even making enough sponsorship money. So to not have promotion relegation, I think that hurts a lot of clubs. Even the New York Cosmos, right? Even the New York Cosmos. When the Cosmos came into the NASL in their first season, they came in the fall season. Right, They didn't play the spring season. They came in the fall. Say after they won the fall season, they would have got promoted. Or after winning the fall season, they played the Silverbacks. They won the final. And then they get promoted. Marco Senna's goal gets the Cosmos promoted. Imagine that. Imagine first season in the league, getting promoted, going to Major League Soccer. Maybe getting all this money like it works in the Premier League. Imagine Cosmos getting promoted, getting hundreds or millions of dollars and now they can invest that in the club's infrastructure in players in a stadium in whatever they want but that didn't happen they played a couple more seasons in the NASL and like what Rocco said he got screwed over he played his first game on April 1st and on September 1st the United States Soccer Federation relegated the whole league they didn't give Rocco any time to get to work and that's why he followed up with lawsuits and Rocco Even when he bought the team, he always kept saying, give me time. Give me time. I'm going to sort it out. Give me time. I'm going to work on it. Give me time. Everything's going to be okay. And imagine if he would have had another season in the NASL, right? Imagine if he would have had a year or two in the NASL. Where would the Cosmos be today? And I know a lot of people, they would knock that example down. They will say, well, the Cosmos... It doesn't matter what your history is about. It doesn't matter that you won the NASL. It doesn't matter about this or that. But it does matter. Because the U.S. Soccer Federation relegated our league, relegated our club, not because we were a great team, but because from the business side. Because they thought that we didn't meet certain requirements in Division Two, And then we just found out like a couple of months ago that Major League Soccer recently, they haven't met the Division One requirements. That's the type of organization U.S. Soccer is. Is they get to pick and choose what they see is right and what they see is wrong. They see NASL is wrong because they're not meeting a certain requirement. Um, USL, on the other hand, when the NASL were, were fighting with uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation and trying to stay around and trying to be active in the year after they got desanctioned, USL, I don't think they met their uh, club requirements because each club has to meet um, stadium 
capacity requirements. They have to meet field size requirements. So I don't know if USL clubs meet those requirements, but if they don't, then they're not a Division II league. So it's not just as a league. It's not just, well, you need to have a certain amount of teams in a certain amount of markets, and your owners have to have a certain amount of net worth. It's your clubs have to be in a certain venue with a certain capacity with a certain field size. If you don't have that, you don't meet the Division II um, status. U.S. Soccer is a crazy organization, and I don't know any other one, maybe besides FIFA, that is that corrupt. But a domestic federation should have their clubs, their leagues, their players' best interests at heart, and I don't think U.S. Soccer does. They don't even have their, their employees' best interest at heart, if I'm being honest. According to Chris Kessel on Twitter, you can follow him at the Chris Kessel. So I'm going to read a couple of these reviews just to share how insane the U.S. Soccer Federation is. For people that don't know, Glassdoor is basically a review site for employers. So employees can hop on this website. They can review their current or former employer. So uh, potential employees can see how the business is. Um, I guess, in and out of the office. So should they work there, should they not work there, um, they can go on Glassdoor and see if that job's for them. The first one is titled Terrible Leadership. And it's from a current employee, right? It's from a current employee that is anonymous employee in Chicago. And uh, this person says, I have been working at U.S. Soccer Federation full time. So the pros of working at U.S. Soccer. Generous benefits, except for maternity or paternity, leave time. Small organization means that we could take on high-level responsibility regardless of your title. Passion for the sport is infectious, uh, with the exception of a few toxic leaders. There are very great people to work with at U.S. Soccer who make fantastic co-workers. Uh, travel is not glamorous, of course, but it is an incredible feeling to be a part of the travel family and put on amazing events. It is U.S. soccer and an honor to work towards moving the sport forward in this country. So I do get the the joy and the excitement of working for U.S. soccer because maybe you like soccer or you like sports and maybe you could play soccer. I think one of these employees said that we play soccer on Fridays or something like that. And you're just around the game all the time. But there was one employee that talks badly about the CEO. Um, this person says disapproves of CEO. I've never seen an organization have this much bad reviews by their employees and making fun of management and saying that they're the worst, they're this, they're that. Um, you have your next review that says, no expectation for managers to be good managers. The business of soccer is all that matters, not the people who make it happen. Culture of fear and intimidation particularly within the commercial side of the business because of who it reports to. Chief J. Berlharter. Yes, men's national team coach is brother. J. Berhalter is a non-leader who does not know how to inspire, is unapproachable, mean-spirited, and to make it worse, he is the self-appointed CEO. So if he doesn't like something, it's not happening. And your idea is dumb. It appears that 
um, the current CEO, Dan Flynn, allows this to happen, or more likely, everyone has been too afraid to speak up. No, you may not go home after being on the road for two, three, four weeks on the road. You can come straight back to the office, forget laundry, trump your mental and physical exhaustion. Associates are paid hourly and given overtime hours. They're at times making more than what coordinators make on a starting salary of thirty-five grand. And like I said earlier, employees talking this bad of an organization, it actually jumps out at you and says, well, something's wrong with U.S. soccer. I think for the employees to come on a review site for organizations, for jobs, and to write this um, maybe groundbreaking information, because maybe for some it's not groundbreaking. For me, I, I don't think this is groundbreaking. I think we've known this for a very long time. And I think people have been trying to, to tell other soccer fans and trying to enlighten them with what's going on in U.S. soccer. And maybe we didn't know that behind the scenes it was going on to this degree um, where employees couldn't even approach the CEO or couldn't even approach the, the U.S. men's national team's brother. Yeah, it probably is all about the commercial side and they don't care about anything else. The exact words are, the business of soccer is all that matters. Not the people who make it happen. Culture of fear and intimidation, particularly within the commercial side of the business. And that says everything. And then hopefully, hopefully, people on the outside, soccer fans, that didn't want to listen and didn't want to understand that U.S. soccer is this maybe corrupt or insane organization that doesn't care about fans doesn't care about stakeholders they definitely have supporters and defenders of u.s soccer and i hope those people actually sit up and notice what's going on right it's not just a fan chris kessel or a stakeholder in chris kessel tweeting about what he saw on glassdoor it's even mickey turner saying that he's heard this from a source as well and he got it confirmed. So that's what I'm trying to say is that it's not just someone on Glassdoor writing how they feel as an employee at U.S. Soccer. Mickey Turner tweeted, I've looked these reviews and a source, current U.S. Soccer Federation employee confirms their validity and what they feel is a toxic culture inside U.S. Soccer leadership more later. And he said, as I mentioned some of these are likely disgruntled former employees, but definitely not all. And even if disgruntled, it doesn't mean the complaints aren't valid. And I think that's a very important point. Just because they may not work there doesn't mean their opinion doesn't matter. And it's like, just because you're a soccer fan, maybe you're not a stakeholder, maybe you haven't invested in, in U.S. soccer, or you haven't owned a team, or you don't work in U.S. soccer, but you're just a supporter of U.S. soccer, you do have a say. I talked to Sunil Galati, I called him up, and I was talked to like I was a six-year-old, like I didn't matter. And I think U.S. soccer and U.S. soccer management, they have this feeling and they have this thought process and this mindset that they're better than you, regardless of who you are. If you're an employee or if you're a fan or a stakeholder, they think that they're better than you and that they don't have to talk to you. You could check this out on ESPN.com. Rocco said that he wanted to invest half a billion dollars. And they still didn't even want to sit down with him. So that's what I'm trying to say. Even former employees, they are disgruntled employees. 
it's probably not a great place to work at. The organization should be structured better and they should have better management. But hopefully these things change on and off the field. The U.S. Soccer Federation, they generate a lot of money. And I really don't think it's going back into the game. It's not going into the women's game. It's not going into the men's game so much. And we will have a series later on talking about the struggles and the problems in U.S. soccer. Maybe we will have multiple series where we're talking about grassroots problems and grassroots topic questions or debate questions. Um, because I think there's not a lot of media outlets that are talking about these things. And as an owner of a local soccer team in um, the Garden State, it's one thing talking about soccer on a weekly basis, right? It's one thing talking and following and um, supporting the New York Cosmos. But it's another thing getting your head buried in the sand and working on an amateur soccer team. Over time, I'm going to tell the story and talk to other stakeholders about lower division soccer, their struggles, and more topics on that. Um, and if you want to give some input on that, or if you're looking forward to that, you can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. So we have two questions. The first one comes from at NYC Sports Punk. He says, hashtag ask the first team. What are your thoughts on the American soccer media? Any chance of getting Rocco on soon? Would love to know what's going on with the Founders Cup. Thanks. Um, so a couple questions here. First one is, what are your thoughts on the American soccer media? Um, my honest opinion, and this might be really weird, what is American soccer media? I've never known a sport in the United States that the media is not there, right? In U.S. soccer, all you have is podcasts, dedicated, independent journalism or media outlets, podcasts, blogs. You could probably say Fox Sports, but they cover motorsports and Major League Soccer and Major League Baseball and dozens and dozens of other sporting events. So it's not just mainly soccer. So I can't really name you a American soccer media outlet or just American soccer media. But to answer your question, what are my thoughts on it? I don't know. I just think people don't understand what the main problems are in U.S. soccer. And I'm not biased. I'm not saying that, oh, First Team Podcast is better because we understand the problems. But I think First Team Podcast is not afraid to to speak our minds. And a lot of people think that, like, oh, people influence our opinion or influence what we say. But no one does. Right? So my thoughts on the American soccer media is that I think the few that are full-time journalists and soccer people aka alexi lalas and rob stone and people like that i don't think they're great ambassadors for the sport and i don't think they are supposed to be ambassadors but they're the only people that people actually see on tv that talk about soccer you have alexi lalas who's talking about the women's world cup and i don't think he's the best example or he's the best a person to throw on the TV just because he's a former player, right? I don't think he's the best person. So my thoughts on the American soccer media is that it's not the best. It can improve. I think we need a 24-7 soccer channel or a 24-7 uh, radio station, if that's a national um, radio station besides Sirius XMFC. That's not fair because not everyone has that. Not everyone is going to pay for that. Um, so it's only for... 
a small base. So maybe if that's a streaming radio station online that's 24-7 that has independent um, coverage of U.S. soccer. Because I think in U.S. soccer, we don't have that, right? We don't have a radio station or network on TV that actually cares for soccer. Sirius XMFC, I think they just talk about Major League Soccer. And then they talk about the Premier League and European soccer. They don't really care for Lord of Vision soccer. And I think that's what we need. We need a media outlet that's solely on U.S. soccer, not on European soccer, not on anything else except U.S. soccer at all levels. Any chance of getting Rocco on soon? Would love to know what's going on with the Founders Cup. Thanks. Well, on Rocco, from what I've been told, and I was told this a couple of weeks ago, um, we can't get Rocco on or any person at the Cosmos management team uh, because of the current lawsuits. So I guess we'll have to leave it on that one. And um, eventually, uh, we want to get Rocco or uh, Joe Barone on the show to talk about the Cosmos, talk about the future and um, the Founders Cup and um, whatever you want us to talk about. Uh, you can send in your thoughts, like I said, on Twitter, Facebook at First Team Pod or website at firstteampod.com. The last question comes from at dream underscore king. We need to get some confirmation on what schedule changes we can expect with the Founders Cup, if any, given recent announcements concerning teams competing in it. Founders Cup, I think it's a very interesting topic because... We talked about this a couple of weeks ago from Sock Takes that the Founders Cup at first was supposed to be independent soccer, not sanctioned by the U.S. Soccer Federation. And I think at the moment they're going through like sanctioning issues and where they should, I guess, fall in, in the U.S. Soccer pyramid. And I think if it's anything past like grassroots soccer, then I think it's not NPSL Pro. It's not what we were sold or not what we were told it was going to be about. Because if it's just sanctioned by the U.S. Soccer Federation, then I think it loses its purpose and do the Cosmos still compete in it? Because then U.S. Soccer can tell us what to do. So I think being in a league that's sanctioned by the United States Adult Soccer Association, I think we have a fair chance. And James, he's talking about the schedule. I'm not sure what clubs um, are going to leave or will join because there's chatter that Miami FC might leave, they might compete, and then go to Nisa in the fall. So there's a lot of moving parts at the moment. And that's what happens in the sports business, really, is that every single day things change, right? There's not one day where there's a constant, where things stay the same, where we know what's going to happen. The Cosmos, we don't know what's going on. I don't even know what's going on behind the scenes with the New York Cosmos. But all I can say is definitely people are working behind the scenes on the Nero Cosmos, hopefully on a bright future for the boys in green. And um, I hope the Cosmos compete in uh, the Founders Cup or in any tournament or in any other tournament that is set up in the uh, fall. And then in 2020, hopefully the Nero Cosmos will participate in a full professional season. But like I always say, we will have you covered here on First Team Podcast on Twitter and Facebook at First Team Pod. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. I'll be back next week reviewing this weekend's match against Greater Lowell FC. Bring your friends, bring your family to Mitchell Athletic Complex and the New York Cosmos have a homestand to finish off the NPSL Classic season. So let's try to sell out Mitchell Athletic Complex and let's cheer on the boys in green um, before they head on 
to the NPSL playoffs. And hopefully they go far and um, hopefully can lift silverware at the end of the summer. So thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I really appreciate it. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. The Borough Boys of Benadel Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo Country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is the rap from Skid Attacks, Hash and Bliss. Reacts, tap, we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, holding back to the for the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Effects you curl down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like Shouting cues allowed to you without the dudes. Right way crews, I'll check the no excuse. Each session a lesson, it's not about profession. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless at the training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.